Welcome to Now I See, a place where people share their eye-opening moments and how it changed the way they see themselves, their world, and their place in it. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired by the stories you hear, and challenged to see things in a whole new way, too. Sit back and enjoy this show that we've prepared especially with you in mind. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. Our guest today is McKinley Edelman. Welcome, McKinley. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited. I am so glad you're here. McKinley is a recent graduate of University of North Texas at Dallas, where she studied child development and family studies. She's using her education and experience as the children's minister at Chisholm Summit Community Church in Burleson, Texas, where she encourages and equips parents of young children and the teams of volunteers who work in classrooms each week and special events throughout the year. And she's making a big impact on the next generation of leaders by helping children discover truth, character, and God's purpose and plans for their lives. You'll hear about her passion for sharing the good news of Jesus and helping kids grow in their relationship with him in our show today. She holds a patent and started her own fashion accessory company when she was in her early teens. McKinley and her family recently left suburbia for a farm in the country where they enjoy spending time together outdoors, country living, country music, and the sound of Texas wildlife and their assorted farm animals. McKinley, I see you as a self-starter, a calculated risk taker. A visionary, someone who is not afraid of a challenge, and a respected leader. How do you see yourself? Um, I see myself as, I gotta think about this. This is a hard question. It's so hard to, um, you know, when people ask you, like, describe yourself in one word. Question. That's always, like, the hardest thing. I think that's because my one word would probably be overthinker. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so already we've, we've met our problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess. First of all, I see myself as a worshiper. Um, Everything that I do, I want to be a way that I can worship the Lord because, you know, in Scripture, that's what, throughout Scripture, we're told that that's what we're created to do is, um, regardless of what we're doing, we're we're called to worship. And so um, I guess that would be my goal for how I would see myself as a worshiper. Um, I would say I also see myself as, um, sorry, I'm trying to think. That's okay. the words that I want to use. We can it. That's <laughs> the beauty of it. This is a hard question. It doesn't get any easier because your life changes, you know, and, yeah. and different things that you value at different stages of your life. You're all of those things, but sometimes one thing more than another. So mm-hmm. it is a hard question. <laughs> Everybody gets stuck here unless they've prepared so far. Yeah. And even then they're like, I'm going to change my answer. <laughs> um, or we could just go with that and fly. One of the things I've always admired about you is that you are a visionary. You see things before they happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you saw a need in the youth group and you stepped up to it. And I thought that took a lot of courage. But what you stood to gain was more valuable to you than what would have happened if you didn't step up. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you had to learn to play guitar. And you had to learn to get in front of people and to not be intimidated by that and you had to learn to worship which is intensely personal you had to learn to do that out loud mm-hmm. in front of the other people but what you stood to gain was so much more than what would have been uncomfortable or a loss for you yeah um, and it was really fun to watch you through that and, and you know to have come up with your own business you know you saw a market and you went after it and you, you just see things before they are yeah um, and it's just one of the things that I've always admired about you I so. do see myself as as dedicated 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, you know, I, like I mentioned, I'm an overthinker and I'm going to think about something until, you know, I've beat the dead horse. But another reason to love you. <laughs> I'm right there with you. But I, I guess that's how I know that once I get to once I've decided on what, you know, I want to do, I take it and run with it. And so I guess I do looking back on things that I've done or, you know, once I start a project, I really want to see it to completion. So um, I guess dedicated would be a good way that I would describe myself um, in in every area of life, in ministry and in, you know, just day-to-day things. Um, I guess I enjoy seeing a goal and then and then reaching it. Mm-hmm. So. I was going to say, you're very goal-driven. I see that. And, and committed. Once you say you're going to do something, you're going to do it. And it's a beautiful, beautiful trait. How do you think those things were formed in you? I think, honestly, my parents are, my parents are very driven people. Um, you know, through this, you know, when we bought our new house and everything, everything was a project, you know, and you move out and all of a sudden you have land and animals and, you know, house projects and everything. I've always watched my parents start a project and every night work on it until it's done. And so I think that was just kind of instilled in me. Um, and I come from a family of business owners. Um, my granddad runs a barbecue business and, you know, that's a constant project and catering parties at night and working at the store during the day and all those things. And so I guess I just come from people, from hardworking people who um, use the gifts that the Lord has given them and. Um, just make it happen. I love that. Shout out to Edelman's Barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> no, shameless plug right, right here. Just right here. Um, and, and how do you think dedication grew in you? And you have an ability to work past things where a lot of people would quit. Why do you keep at it? I think it just comes down to um, what my passions are. And um, just, you know, the first thing I mentioned was being a worshiper. And so when you have the mindset of everything that I do is for the Lord and everything that I do is for his glory. And so, um, things are a challenge. We're not promised that things are going to be easy. And, but if I, for me, the biggest thing is having a purpose. And if I, I'm not going to just work at something, you know, for the sake of working at it. But if I know that there's a purpose and my ultimate purpose is to glorify the Lord, then there's no reason that I shouldn't work at it as hard as I can and see it to completion. And so, um, and I think sometimes I do that to a fault a little bit. Like, um, I don't know. I think sometimes I, I overdo it when like, you know, maybe it becomes selfish. Like I'm just doing this because I want to be the best at it or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think that the root of that is just wanting to, to fulfill my purpose. Um, and, Again, that's something from an early age that was instilled in me is knowing what my purpose is, which I think is just so important um, to, for people to know is that they do have a purpose and that purpose is to glorify the Lord. Speak to those who um, find it a challenge. A lot of times people will say, fake it till you make it. I mean, there were times I've had them, you certainly have, when you didn't feel like keeping your commitment. And sometimes you just had to muscle through it. But uh, tell, tell our listeners um, how worship changes that for you. Yeah, I actually I can. There's a perfect example of that. So I started taking guitar lessons in third grade. And I just decided, you know, I want to I want to play guitar. I really had no, you know, specific 
motive, I guess. I just, you know, wanted to play guitar. So um, I started taking lessons and I never picked up my guitar except for once a week when I went to lessons and I was there for an hour. And that's all I did. And I got very frustrated that I didn't know how to play guitar after, you know, a year of being in lessons. I could only play very simple things. And I remember being so frustrated about it. And my mom told me, how in the world do you expect yourself to be able to play guitar if you're never going to play your guitar? And so I kind of just rolled with it. I was upset that other people were better than me at playing guitar. And, um, and then I started leading worship. My youth pastor at the time told me as a seventh grader, you're going to start leading worship, um, in youth group on Sunday mornings. And so that was a very tangible, you know, how worship changed that for me is I was literally starting to lead worship. And so I had to get it together. I was, you know, I was responsible for leading other people in worship. And so if I had that responsibility and it became again, more purposeful, it wasn't just me learning to play the guitar, but it was me learning to play the guitar for a bigger purpose. And so I guess when something transitions from just a hobby or something for fun to having the mindset of I'm doing this um, for the purpose of serving others or ultimately serving the Lord. It really just narrows that down um, and gives you that accountability. Like this isn't just, you know, do it as you please, but you have a responsibility. And on Sunday mornings when people show up, you know, you, you got to have it together. So. Well, you've talked about two really important things. One of those is um, worship. And so I'd love to hear your story about when worship became important to you. And then the other is purpose. And I'd love to hear how you found your purpose. I think a lot of people struggle with both of those things. Let's talk about worship first. When did that become important to you? Um, I guess I don't really know when, like I couldn't give you a specific time, but, um, you know, I, I grew up in church. I remember sitting and singing hymns and, um, sitting on the second floor of the sanctuary. And I have very vivid memories of that. And so worship has always been a part of the, a part of, you know, what I do. And, um, I think worship is something that you kind of learn how to do over time. And so for me, you know, when I started playing guitar, the music element was, you know, came naturally because, it was easy for me to check the worship box on Sunday morning when I went and sang or played my guitar or whatever. But I think as I got older, it became more um, about worshiping through everything that I do and not just worshiping through music. So, and this week I've been doing new Christians camp um, with some kids who recently came to know the Lord. And so um, one of the things that we talked about yesterday was worshiping through normal things. And so it was really cool to listen to them connect those dots of, you know, you don't just have to worship on Sunday morning, but you can worship when you're playing baseball or when, you know, working hard at school, that's, that's part of worship. Or, you know, when you're obeying your parents, that's part of worship and having that practical conversation with them, especially, you know, when you're talking to kids who maybe they're not musically inclined, um, for them to know that there's other ways for them to worship is so valuable. And I think even for adults, it's very, you know, some of, some people don't connect in that way. And so I think, um, resting in knowing that the Lord doesn't have a specific definition of what that looks like. I do think that music is important. I do think the Lord enjoys, 
um, when we sing and, you know, we hear in scripture about making a joyful noise. And so obviously that's important. Um, but I think that we all have different gifts and we all have different talents and things that motivate us. And so, um, for people who aren't, you know, naturally musical, um, that can look like, you know, maybe you're more intellectual. And so studying the word is where you really find that, that worship time or, um, you know, through, through your job, what you do, where you're passionate, um, what you do that things that you're naturally inclined or you're naturally gifted. Those are the things that you can use to worship. It doesn't have to be a certain specific thing. I love that. And I love that about you. I've, I've observed that about you, but I've never heard it put so succinctly. So thank you so much for that. Um, and worship clearly is part of your purpose. I think you could probably do anything. <laughs> Um, as an act of worship to God, but you chose or you found your purpose elsewhere. How did, how did you know what your purpose was? How did you come to discover that? So um, I guess as a child, I, I came to faith as a child. Um, I trusted Jesus as my Savior when I was seven. Um, and so I think sharing the good news of Jesus with children um, and working in a church setting specifically has come very naturally to me because that's the time in my life where I was the most impacted spiritually. Um, and so I think that's why I naturally lean that way. Um, it's interesting because I've, one of my good friends we've talked about, she is, she works with youth. And so, you know, we were kind of just comparing like how we came to find where we were supposed to be. And, you know, she was saved and discipled and her big faith moment, I guess, was in late high school and college was where she really felt like she was spiritually impacted. And so for her, it was natural for her to want to work with people who are in that phase of life. And so for me, being someone who was saved as a child and, you know, grew up in church and felt heavily impacted during that time of my life, I think the Lord has used that to um, give me a passion for children and, and children's ministry. And um, so, yeah. I can tell you love it. Your face <laughs> lights up when you talk about it. That just makes me so happy. Well, listeners, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back with our guest, McKinley Edelman, we'll talk about the ways that she is using her worship and her purpose to make an impact on the next generation. If you're enjoying this conversation with McKinley, even half as much as I am, let us know by dropping us a line on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at NowICPod or on our website at nis.media. As always, we appreciate your recommendation, rating, and review as we continue to build our NowIC community. You can find out more about McKinley or any of our previous guests by visiting nis.media and checking out our archives, exploring our library of recommended authors, and the growing catalog of causes we've featured in previous episodes, like Quilts of Valor for service members, Relief for Ukrainian Refugees through Bridge Builders International, or the myriad ways last week's guest, Bonnie Kelly, and her League of Volunteers are doing the most good right here in our own community through the Salvation Army. 
There are lots of ways you can join our active audience in making a difference in the lives of others. In the meantime, we have a lot to learn from McKinley, so let's get right back to it. We are back from our break with our guest today, McKinley. So, McKinley, we were talking about worship and purpose. Let's talk about how we combine those things. Why did you choose child development and family studies? Um, I originally chose to major in child development and family studies because I wanted I wanted to understand where families were coming from and what children are facing and how you know how they learn. Because if we can understand as a church, if we can understand what families are dealing with and what pressures they're getting from society and what children are facing in school and even where they're coming from just because of their age and stage of life. Um, If we can understand their development, then we can minister to them so much more effectively. Um, You know, there's the world is changing so fast and the church has to be able to keep up. And so we have to know what families are facing. the message of the church doesn't change and the gospel doesn't change and the truth doesn't change, but we have to be flexible with our approach and we have to know to be able to get them where we need them and to get, to teach kids what we need them to know and to teach them truth. We have to know where we're starting at. And so, um, I am very glad that I majored in what I did because I didn't necessarily agree with everything that I heard in school and I didn't always understand, but it did help me see the reality of the world. I think sometimes we put on the church goggles mm-hmm. because it's, it's easier and it's, and it's comfortable to just look at things the way we want to look at them. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jesus commands us to go out into the world. And so if we don't understand what the world is dealing with, then we can't lead them to him. And so, um, always combating, always leading them to truth, but we have to know where we're starting. And so being able to understand how children think, how they learn, how they grow, um, and also be able to recognize when there's a developmental barrier there, when there's something that you may need to change your approach a little bit, or even under, even, knowing how you know children learn through play and children learn some some kids are emotional thinkers and some kids need hands-on activities and some kids need um they need to write it down or some kids need to read it or they need to play a game or you know there's there's so many different approaches that we can take and um so being able to know that and obviously people in education the school system relies on this very heavily um, because they're teaching kids how to read and do math and science and all those things, but why can't we take the same approach as church in church? Um, we need we're teaching kids the most important thing that they can learn, and so we need we need to do it the best we can. You say that we're teaching kids the most important thing they can learn. Why is that important to do it at this age? Like I said, I was I was saved when I was seven, and um, you know, everybody has a different story and, you know, there's people who are saved far into their life. You know, there's a lot of people that are saved later in life and I don't want to sound like I'm dis 
crediting that because I think that that's such a beautiful picture of the Lord's redemption. Mm -hmm. Um, when you can see a very drastic change. Um, and I remember in middle school having just a crisis of self, I guess, because I didn't have that very dramatic Mm. change. I, I grew up in church. I, um, didn't remember a time where my parents weren't teaching me about God and what the Bible says. And that wasn't really, you know, I didn't have to go through some dramatic, crazy life experience to find God. And so I just remember hearing other people's testimonies. Cause once you're in middle school and high school, you're kind of getting into that where, you know, there's people who didn't grow up in church and you're getting into a different phase of life. And I remember thinking, you know, my story means nothing. Like I, I'm just a kid who grew up in church and, you know, I haven't done any of the real stuff, you know, and, um, but as I've gotten older and I've talked to other people and I've seen that light come on for other kids, I think there's so much value and I have so much to be thankful for that, that the Lord chose to save me when I was seven. Um, and not to say that the Lord took away all of the hard things for me. Um, there's still been things that I've had to deal with and grow up in and, and do and that have been challenges, but there's so much to be thankful for that the Lord chose to save me when I was a child. And, and so I think that's also kind of what shaped my passion for children's ministry is recognizing that that wasn't a curse, you know, of not having a super interesting story to tell, but um, a really great one of the Lord's provision that he he chose to rescue me at such an early age. And um, so I think that it's important if we can, if we can prepare kids for what's to come, they, cause we know that we are destined to have struggles in life and we're, we know that there are hard things and we know that there are challenges that come. And so if we can equip them, if we can give them, the confidence in the gospel and remove the worry of, I can't do this because we know that we can't, we know that we can't do it on our own. We know that we can't handle the hard things by ourselves, but if we can show them that they have a God who loves them and wants to walk with them, if we can show them that and give them the opportunity to make the decision to follow Jesus early, then Yes, the hard things are still going to come, but they're not alone in it. And they're able to walk through this challenging world holding the hand of the God that loves them and have the confidence to know that even when hard things come, they are still, you know, this world is temporary and the struggles are temporary and that their identity is not found in what's going on at school or something that's going on even at home. You know, I was raised with a great family who loved me and taught me about Jesus and took me to church and all those things, but not every kid has that. And so even if that's not going on at home, if we can pull them out, even if it's, you know, for an hour on a Sunday morning when they show up at church, if we can um, equip them and give them the tools that they need and build them up using the gospel, and teach them to rely on the Lord, then regardless of what they're facing or where they're at, they can walk with the confidence of knowing that their circumstance is temporary and they have ultimate victory through Jesus. 
I love the idea when you said that when um, children are reached early, they have the opportunity to walk with God who loves them. And I think that's so important. I mean, here we're talking about spiritual formation. We're talking about the truths that shape the decisions that we make, the relationships we choose, the choices we make in life. Uh, We're talking about uh, how we develop character and the basis for our moral life. And so um, when I hear you talking with such passion about reaching younger children, I mean, you understand that it's just so critical to reach people as early as they can so they can avoid choices um, that they would make if they didn't know the truth, if they didn't have an example, if they didn't have um, the opportunity to make better choices. And so I love that you're in a position to help kids do that. So let's talk about some of the ways that you actually are helping kids to do that. So right now, um, our biggest program we have going on is Sunday school. And um, in children's ministry, that includes from when they're babies until they finish sixth grade. Um, And then they would move on to the youth group. But um, when they're in kids ministry, they um, can attend a Sunday school class and they have somebody who is teaching them big Bible concepts at a level that they understand. and teaching them Bible skills and how to use their Bible on their own and um, be able to to read the truth of God's word on their own. Because in this world, it's so hard for them to be able to tell, okay, what is someone telling me? And am I supposed to believe what someone's telling me? Or is this a joke? Or is this just a made up story? But when we can put the Bible in their hands and show them that this is God's word and this is true, and we're equipping them with the skills to be able to do that on their own and not just trust somebody that they're telling them the truth. Um, if we can give them those skills early, then that's another thing that they can, you know, grow with along the way and um, build those skills as they go. But um, so that's Sunday morning. Um, we have kids worship where they can come and um, learn how to worship. So whether that's through song or through scripture reading or um whatever that looks like, but it's through music that's engaging for kids and games and fun things that that they can learn through. Um, And then we also have Wednesday night programs that are also age specific. So um, we have a a class for babies through two-year-olds, and then we have a class um, for preschool, which is three-year-olds through kindergarten, and it's called Preschool Jam. And then we have a elementary program, which is called Summit Kids Club, and that's for first grade through sixth grade. And that's just another opportunity to disciple kids and expose them to the gospel, um, but then also continue that process if they've already made a decision to follow Jesus. What does that look like to live that out practically? Um, And all of those programs are starting on August 17th. That's our first Wednesday night for the fall. Promotion Sunday will be August 14th, um, which is when they'll move up to their new classes um, for the new school year. Oh, very fun. And of course, you're teaching them how to worship because that is one of your things. That's what you do. Um, so I love that you're um, so focused on truth. I just think that's so important in, in our culture right now. People own their own truth. Um, actually, they own their own perspective. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so universal truths don't change. And so to be able to lay that firm foundation of what is true and how to know the difference between um, belief and understanding and perception and what's really, really true. And so I don't think you can start that early enough. So I'm so <laughs> glad you're in such a key position. 
Well, as I'm sitting across the table from you, I can see how God has clearly answered the prayers of your parents for you. And so very excited to see that progression to watch you grow up and become the woman that you have become. Um, So as we close out our show today, is there anything that you'd like people to see more clearly as a result of our conversation? I think um, for everybody, knowing that whatever your gifts are, If you are walking with the Lord, he will be faithful to put you exactly where you're supposed to be. Um, Especially when, you know, you're in college or about to graduate college, you know, it's just always the question of like, even when I knew that I was going to, I wanted to be in ministry, it's always the question of where am I going to be? How is that going to work out? And so just knowing that whatever your gifts are, if you're, if you're faithful and you walk with the Lord, he will put you exactly where you are. And I had a teacher in high school that um, was just such a good, encouraging, really friend to me. Um, She wrote this beautifully written um, paper, and it was it was about how she grew up always wanting to be a teacher. And she um, remembered her first day of kindergarten and how how excited she was to have new school supplies and walked into her classroom and just, you know, just loved everything about it. And she, throughout this story, she tells about all these different events that happened in her life that prepared her for what was to come. And, um, and how everything worked out, you know, even the rough patches, she could see how that was all leading to the point where she became a teacher herself. And so she ends this paper with, I'm living my dream. I am a teacher. And, um, I think that, that's where I'm sitting right now is I'm living my dream. I'm getting to minister to kids and I'm getting to share the gospel and, and aid them in that discipleship process. And that is what, you know, looking back as a six-year-old sitting in church and being discipled by people at church and just seeing how throughout my life and beginning to serve as a middle school and high school kid being able to start working in kids ministry and seeing those things. And, um, through college, the classes that I was taking and the things that I was doing, it was all preparing me for what the Lord had for me. And that was working with kids. And so I would just encourage people, if you feel lost or like you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, or you're stuck in the, I'm trying to figure out where I'm going, but what does that look like? If you are faithful to the Lord and you are walking with him and you are doing what he has called you to do, if you're using everything you're doing as worship to him, then he will be faithful to place you right where you're supposed to be. Mm, So good. So parents and kids, if you want to live the dream with McKinley Edelman, how can they find you? I'd love to have you join me for worship at Chisholm Summit Community Church in Burleson, Texas. I'd love to see you there. Well, this has been so much fun for me. I kind of feel like I'm getting to witness uh, you living your dream. And it's just been really, really fun. I hope that we'll be able to do this again. And I just wish you the best success in this position. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. If you've got questions or comments for McKinley, you can leave those for us on our website at nis.media. We'll make sure that she gets to hear from you. And thanks, listeners. We'll see you again next week. We're so glad you were able to join us for today's compelling story. You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website, nis.media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, 
and Instagram. Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise, and to Becky Salazar for our bumper music. See you next week.